Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 187, Thoughts on Apple Watch Series 7. Hi, I'm Neil. It's good to be back talking with all of you. Right now, we are in the middle of new product season. We had the new iPhones come out a few weeks ago. Now we have the Apple Watch Series 7 officially going on sale. I did receive a review unit for the Series 7. I've been using it for a week now. In today's episode, I want to go over my initial impressions wearing a Series 7. There were a lot of surprises. I think that's going to serve as a good beginning of our discussion. Why was the Series 7 such a surprise? And then what we're going to do is talk a little bit about where the Series 7 fits within the broader Apple Watch business. Because as we will talk about, there is a key difference between the Apple Watch business and the iPhone business. One is all about upgrading. The other is all about bringing new users into the fold. One thing that I noticed after Apple unveiled the Apple Watch Series 7 is that some people wondered out loud if the device was something like a placeholder. The rumor mill was confident that Apple was going to take the design language found with the iPhone and iPad and bring it to the Apple Watch. So we are talking about a device with flat edges. Instead, Apple unveiled the Series 7. There is a display with curved edges, a larger display as well, 20% larger than the Series 6. The thing that some people said was, well, wait a second, is the rumor mill really off? Or did Apple change something at the very last minute? Maybe Apple couldn't get that Apple Watch with flat edges out the door. So they came up with the Series 7, and that would explain why there weren't other noteworthy features found with the device. To reiterate, that was some of the backstory going around in the weeks following Apple unveiling the Series 7. Nothing could be further from the truth. I've been using an Apple Watch Series 7 45mm aluminum green. The best descriptive words that I came up with regarding the Series 7 were fun, fulfilling, and endearing. It was funny, I had one person reach out to me over Twitter, I think it was actually yesterday, and they said, are you talking about an Apple Watch or are you talking about a child when you use those descriptive words? As we'll talk about, the Apple Watch is the most personal computing device in our lives. It's a different kind of beast versus, say, the iPhone, the iPad, certainly the Mac. And so those descriptive words, fun, fulfilling, and endearing, yeah, they're a little bit different. You may not hear a lot of people use those to describe the iPhone, but I think they make sense when we talk about the Apple Watch. The Series 7's targeted updates help to advance computing on the wrist while addressing some known friction points that I think had accompanied daily usage. There is nothing like the Apple Watch in the market. And Apple continues to run forward with a device that's ushering in a paradigm shift in computing. At this point, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Let's go over some of my initial impressions from using an Apple Watch Series 7. I should say, from wearing an Apple Watch Series 7. We'll start off with the larger screen. Go to apple.com the Apple Watch mini site, 
and Series 7 marketing is anchored around the larger screen, and for good reason. Much to my surprise, reducing the display borders by 40% gives the Series 7 a completely different kind of Apple Watch experience. At first, when you hear that the Series 7 screen is 20% larger than the Series 6, you probably think, that doesn't sound like that much of a difference. You're probably not going to notice it. Much to my surprise, it was completely different. The moment I had the Apple Watch Series 7 on my wrist, I could tell the difference, and it really felt like a completely new kind of Apple Watch. I think it's important to point out that I had been wearing an Apple Watch Series 6 every day for the past year. So that was my baseline. For those users coming from an Apple Watch Series 3, the difference is going to be probably even more noteworthy. And then, of course, the majority of people, they're coming from having no Apple Watch at all. And I think the Series 7 is going to be a very interesting first Apple Watch for those customers. When we look deeper into why the Series 7 screen jumped out at me, it wasn't just about the fact that Apple included additional screen real estate. Instead, it was about how Apple used that additional screen real estate. The Series 7 is not about taking the Series 6 and just adding more text and information. Apple didn't look at the Series 7 and say to themselves, well, we can use this additional screen real estate to improve engagement, to get you to look at your wrist more or longer. It was the opposite. Apple leveraged the additional screen real estate to make the buttons larger, to make the text larger. This was a very smart decision on Apple's part. Instead of having Series 7 owners spend more time looking at their wrist, the larger screen makes it easier to quickly gather information and not get lost in the watch. One way of describing the Apple Watch's screen size changes over the years is that the Series 4 went after the low-hanging fruit. That watch was about simply fitting more stuff on a bigger screen. And that's because the Series 3 was somewhat limited in terms of screen real estate. The Series 7 screen, which is more than 50% larger when you're comparing it to the Series 3, feels more like the refinement step. It's focusing more on the finer things, like the larger font, more approachable click areas. Those things end up having a larger impact on daily usage. If we stick with this theme of the larger screen, I think we can also talk about the larger footprint. The Apple Watch Series 7 has a slightly larger form factor than the Series 6. So the Series 7 comes in either 45 millimeter or 41 millimeter. The Series 6 came in either 44 millimeter or 40 millimeter. The larger size on the wrist was not noticeable. The Series 7 aluminum doesn't feel heavier than the Series 6, despite weighing 7% more. Over the years, I have found that other Apple Watch models, like the stainless steel, is too heavy for my taste. But I will admit that other people may think otherwise. Maybe some people like the look of stainless steel. Maybe they actually like to have a slightly heavier object on the wrist. However, given my usage, I pretty much wear the Apple Watch all day and increasingly all night. The weight is a big thing for me. There will come a point at which a larger Apple Watch option 
does start to become unwieldy. But I don't think we are at that point just yet. In terms of setup, very similar to how the iPhone 13 Pro setup was probably the smoothest to date. It took about 20 minutes to set up the Series 7 with an iPhone 13 Pro, and this was using the Restore from Backup. It's pretty good. Longtime Apple Watch owners will recall some of those early Apple Watches in terms of getting them set up. It got a little bit dicey at times. I was starting to get to the point where I would wait until the weekend came to set up a new Apple Watch because I would just be concerned that I would run into an issue or I would run out of time and I wouldn't have any Apple Watch. Nowadays, it's pretty simple. 20 minutes, I think over time, Apple can probably work on getting that down even to probably 10 minutes or less. Another new feature that I don't think is getting enough credit, that Series 7's brighter screen. We're talking about the always on screen being 70% brighter than the Series 6. So this is when you have the Apple Watch on, And you haven't necessarily turned your wrist so that your eye is looking directly at the Apple Watch. Instead, maybe you just have your arm resting on your lap or resting on your desk, but you still want to look at the screen. It's 70% brighter, and it makes a big difference. To the user's eye, it pretty much seems like the Apple Watch screen has the same brightness, regardless of your wrist position. With the Series 6, it was different. I found myself needing to tap the screen when it was in the always-on state because it just wasn't bright enough. This ends up being a great example where maybe on paper, the brighter screen doesn't jump out at you as something that makes a big difference, but it really does change your Apple Watch experience. In terms of case color, as I mentioned earlier, I had the green aluminum. There are five new colors, green, blue, product red, starlight, and midnight. I will only speak to green because that's the only thing I've been using. I like it. I thought it was really attractive. It was more of a greenish black. Case colors, especially when they're combined with watch bands, they matter. This isn't just Apple having some fun with testing out new colors each year. People have to be comfortable being seen wearing an Apple Watch. It's that simple. And companies like Fitbit, Samsung, I think you can go all the way to Garmin, Google. They're struggling with this point. They may now understand at least that appearances matter when it comes to a smartwatch, but I don't think they are connecting all the design dots just yet. They're missing key elements that is resulting in a pretty major gap remaining when you're comparing the Apple Watch to competing smartwatches. Turning to battery life, The Cliff Notes version of my reaction or my thoughts, it looks like Apple's claims regarding Apple Watch Series 7 battery life are true. The watch lasts all day, and in terms of faster charging, it looks like Apple's indeed correct. They may actually be underselling it just a little bit. Using the new fast charging USB-C cable that came with the Apple Watch, I was able to charge the Series 7 from 0% to 82% in 45 minutes. Apple's claim is 80% in 45 minutes. And then when you're comparing the Series 7 to Series 6 charging, Apple says the Series 7 has up to 33% faster charging than the Series 6. I was achieving somewhere between 25% and 30%. And I think 
Apple's claim is true. Because if you look at the fine print, they are using different power adapters for that up to 33% faster charging. I use the same power adapter for the Series 7, Series 6, and I was achieving somewhere around 25 to 30%. In the past, we have talked about Apple's battery life strategy for Apple Watch. It's all about achieving all-day battery life. And so what that means is that instead of Apple removing watch features to extend battery life to, say, two or three days, Apple strives to maintain Apple Watch battery life as close to full day as possible. The idea here is pretty simple, and that is that you will charge the Apple Watch in the morning when you're getting ready to start your day. You'll wear it throughout the day. You're not going to need a midday boost or a lunch break boost. And then pretty much just as you're getting ready for bed, you can do another quick charge, and that will last you through the night for sleep tracking. If you don't use the Apple Watch for sleep tracking, it's even simpler. You just charge the watch when you're sleeping. It, 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 it really isn't as much friction there. But Apple really does want people using this device literally all day and night. And so what they have had to do is focus on faster charging. So maybe when you're getting ready, say 30 minutes, 45 minutes, they want to be able to at least get you through most of the day Certainly the night. The night only takes, I think, about 10 minutes or so to get enough charge to last the whole night. Now, it's true that a lot of this is going to depend on how you use the Apple Watch. If you're heavy on the workouts, podcast listening, GPS, mapping, you're going to struggle getting through the whole day on a single charge. But for me, with my workflows, I'm able to get through the full day pretty easily. Next up, we'll talk about the full-size keyboard. Two words. Scary good. I was very impressed with Apple's slide-to-text technology. This relies on machine learning to predict what I'm typing using a full-size keyboard. This is the first time Apple is including a full-size keyboard itself. Apple Watch wearers were able in the past to use third-party options, but there was drama, disagreement between what exactly happened between Apple and developers regarding those full-size keyboards. I think you can make a pretty good argument that Apple wanted to wait to have a larger Apple Watch screen before offering a native full-size keyboard. But at the same time, I can see developers saying, wait a second, the technology is there to have a full-size keyboard even with, say, a screen the size of Series 6, Series 5, Series 4. Why not give users that option? It's a close one. It's, It's a tough one. What I will say about the full-size keyboard, is that heading into the Series 7, my view was that tapping or sliding on an Apple Watch screen to write messages or emails didn't make much sense. Instead, if you had a lot to say, dictation was the way forward. After using the Series 7, that idea hasn't completely gone away for me. It's still faster to dictate messages on the wrist instead of typing. The thing is, using voice for dictation has its limitations, especially when it comes to privacy. It's not practical or useful to use voice to dictate messages when you're in public settings, like public transit or during meetings. So by including a built-in full-size keyboard for the first time, Apple has essentially given the Apple Watch a new user input. At this point in the discussion, I want to put the Series 7 into perspective. And again, my background here is that I've been wearing an Apple Watch daily for the past six years. 
So if you haven't worn an Apple Watch yet, maybe the Series 7 will be your first watch, you're going to have a different experience than what I've had. I would say the Series 7 is up there with the Series 4 as being the most noteworthy update to date. It's that good. The primary reason why the Series 7 receives such a high honor for me is that a larger screen plays a very big role in my day-to-day Apple Watch experience. The wrist is among some of the most valuable real estate on our bodies for computing, and a larger Apple Watch screen takes advantage of that premium real estate. A couple of other quick points when it comes to Apple Watch Series 7. The dedication that Apple has shown to Apple Watch's rectangular design heritage is appreciated. Apple could certainly go in different directions with Apple Watch case design. We see Apple competitors not give up on circular smartwatches. I still don't entirely understand them. I don't think they make sense for what a smartwatch is meant to do. But nevertheless, you're still seeing it. One thing that may be going on here is that some competitors don't want to necessarily copy the Apple Watch and embrace a rectangular design because they're afraid that people are going to just say, oh, well, you're copying Apple. You're not being original enough. But at the same time, it comes to a point where you have to admit maybe a rectangular design is just simply better for a smartwatch than a circular design. Apple Watch's design is all about positioning it as a general computing device with a screen designed to display text and information. Going forward, I think the big question is just how large should Apple make that Apple Watch screen? I think there's room to make it larger, but there's finite space when it comes to the wrist. There's going to come a point where we see Apple hit that size plateau. It's somewhat similar to what we see taking place with the iPhone. When you look at the largest iPhones to date, they're pretty large. (laughs) And maybe you could go a little bit larger with screen size, but there comes a point where it's just going to become too unwieldy. It's going to become too difficult to put in your front pants pocket to hold it in one's hand. And so there comes a, a, a natural, probably call it more of like a plateau, where it's just the right size. It's just enough in which you still have the mobility, but you're able to take advantage of additional screen real estate. There's going to come a similar point with the Apple Watch. We're just not quite there yet. And then in terms of the battery life, as we were talking about a few minutes ago, Apple's focus on maintaining all-day battery life, despite having larger power requirements like a brighter and larger screen, is something that can't be ignored. Apple's battery life strategy for Apple Watch continues to be different than what we see competitors pushing, in which they think going out with a smartwatch or some kind of wrist wearable with two, three, five-day battery life, they think that is going to appeal to consumers. And it's not. It's not as attractive as these companies think. And the reason being is consumers want utility on the wrist. They are willing to give up on that multi-day battery life if it means they really can have that utility for the full day. They'd rather have something like Apple Watch with, say, 18-hour, basically full-day battery life than something less capable with less utility than the Apple Watch but having longer battery life. Along with unveiling the Apple Watch Series 7, Apple announced that it will continue to sell the Apple Watch Series 3. Apple is relying on a different strategy here than with the iPhone and iPad. By not keeping last year's Apple Watch Series around, Apple ends up creating a larger gap in feature set between models. 
consumers are going to choose the latest and greatest. When comparing the Series 7 to the Series 3, I think the Series 7 will grab the majority of sales, and that's going to be unchanged from previous years. The flagship gets the most sales. Interestingly, the Apple Watch SE wasn't updated last month either, so this will only serve to funnel additional sales to the Series 7. There are a few reasons for Apple to keep selling the Series 3. Price is a big one. For some users, budget is the most important purchasing consideration. I do think the Series 3 is going to get a percentage of sales. It's probably not 5%, probably not 10%. Instead, it could be 20-25%, maybe even 30%. It still doesn't compare, though, to a much larger percentage going to Series 7. The Series 3 is just $199. The Series 7, $399 for GPS. The Series 3 also prevents a price umbrella from forming under the flagship Apple Watch. With the Series 3 available for sale, it's difficult for an Apple Watch competitor to gain traction in the $150 to $200 range. Despite being four years old, the Series 3 can still hold its own relative to the competition. That says a lot. It goes to show how far Apple is with its wearable strategy. One question that I have gotten a lot this week is comparing the Series 3 with the Series 7. And all I will say is the difference between those two models is like day and night. It's really hard to imagine going from a Series 7 back to a Series 3. For me, the $200 price gap between the 3 and the 7 comes across as small. But here's the thing. The Apple Watch is a new user story. 75% of people buying an Apple Watch are buying their first Apple Watch. So what that means is that most people in a position to buy an Apple Watch, they don't have a Series 3. They don't have a Series 6 or 4. They are coming from either a mechanical watch, maybe a bracelet, a piece of jewelry, or increasingly, nothing at all. Their wrist or beer. This is a different dynamic than what we see with the iPhone, where it's the reverse. A majority of iPhone sales are going to existing users. New users only represent a small fraction of sales. One takeaway from all of this, and this is something that I think Apple continues to believe in pretty strongly, is that if you're coming to the Apple Watch from nothing at all, with a bare wrist, I think the Series 3 is still going to be a compelling Apple Watch. The reason being is the Series 3 is still going to add so much more utility on the wrist than other options available in the marketplace. We can extend that thought just a little bit and say that as long as Apple Watch new user percentages remain so high, 75%, 70%, it makes sense for Apple to have an entry-level model that ends up being a few years old in terms of technology and features. That strategy will work. It's important to reiterate the Series 3 is not grabbing a majority of sales. It's not that no one sees the value found in the Series 7 and instead they're opting for the Series 3. Instead, it's just simply one option. And it's a very attractive option because it's preventing people who are interested in wearables for the wrist and going elsewhere. So maybe in the past, they would have started with a Fitbit, maybe a Samsung. And then over time, they would have upgraded to an Apple Watch. But with the Series 3 in the lineup, that process doesn't exist. Instead, people are comfortable in giving the Apple Watch a shot. They may have doubt. They may be a little bit skeptical that the Apple Watch will play a good role in their life. 
that is normal. It may be weird to say, but that hesitation that some people have, it ends up being evidence that the Apple Watch is indeed ushering in a paradigm shift in computing. That will do it for today's discussion. One quick programming note. If you're interested in some of the Apple Watch financials, so for example, how many people are wearing an Apple Watch, the Apple Watch install base, or how many people are wearing each model? So how many people are wearing a Series 6 or a Series 3? I went over all my calculations and estimates for those items in the past few daily updates. One daily update went out on October 14th. That's where I broke out the install base mix by model. And then I think it was roughly two weeks ago, I went over my estimate for the number of people wearing an Apple Watch. So if you have an interest in that, definitely check out those daily updates. Speaking of the updates, if you like these podcast episodes and the articles over at AboveAvalon.com, which are accessible to everyone, I do publish daily updates throughout the week. These updates are about 2,000 words, and they are focused on what I think matters in the world of Apple. They cover quite a range of topics. We talk about Apple competitors, so I'm talking extensively about Facebook, Google, streaming video companies, Tesla, the list goes on. Basically, if a company competes with Apple in some way, either the current market or a future market that Apple is considering, I'm talking about them. I am analyzing those companies. We look at this from the perspective of Apple. So for example, what is Facebook doing that Apple should focus on or that Apple needs to worry about or not worry about? In addition, I talk about news items covering Apple strategy, Apple business decisions. What is Apple doing right? What is Apple doing wrong? To get a sense of all of these topics, head on over to aboveavalon.com and then go to the daily updates page. Once there, you can scroll through over 1,200 daily updates. You'll see the story headlines, and I do include a little bit of a summary of what that daily update is going to focus on. The daily updates are available exclusively to Above Avalon members. So to receive these updates in your email as they are published, and to go back and read previously sent updates, all you have to do is become a member. Go to the membership page. It's either $20 per month or $200 per year. Membership is the best way. It's really the only way of receiving the full above Avalon experience. That's another way of saying all of my analysis and perspective on Apple and the tech industry in general, basically all of Apple's competitors, future competitors, all of my analysis and perspective is made available to members. One final note, all of the written daily updates that I publish, they're also available in podcast form. I do have an add-on that you can attach to a membership. And so if you're not into reading emails, instead you're into consuming content via podcast, you have that availability. Based on member feedback, the podcast add-on is pretty popular. For more information on that, it's available on the membership page. Scroll down and you'll see more information on how to get the podcast add-on set up. It's a private podcast and you listen to it like any other podcast in your favorite podcast player. I am proud to say that Above Avalon is 100% supported by memberships. So if you are an Above Avalon member, thank you for your support. And if you are thinking about becoming an Above Avalon member, first of all, I know you're going to like it. And second of all, I want to give you an early thank you. With that, I will conclude today's episode. I will talk to you all later. Bye.